It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research was born from the cold, snowy womb of the Alaska Range by climbers up against some of the harshest conditions in alpinism. Since those days on the edge in the 80s, OR has committed itself to creating apparel and gear not just for keeping conditions at bay, but for making sure you have fun and look good along the way. Beauty and function are two guiding principles at OR. The result? Gear you can count on during your deepest adventures and most satisfying journeys. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. What do you consider to be a casual, non-serious climbing trip? Maybe it's bouldering with your homies. Maybe it's a few weeks of sport climbing on some Mediterranean island where you end up spending as much time cragging as you do at the beach, drinking ouzo and snacking on roasted goat meat. For Adam Andra, who's between comp seasons, which apparently demand much more serious attention and focus, a casual climbing trip means going to the United States to try to on-site a few moderates. Only in this case, moderate means the Salafe wall on El Cap. 32 pitches, 513B, a crack climber's dream. Had any other Euro showed up in Yosemite with the goal of onsighting the Salafe, we Americans would have scoffed and laughed. But Andra earned mad street cred two years ago when he swooped in and completed the second ascent of the Dawn Wall in less time than it takes me to get through a single issue of Alpinist magazine. On November 3rd, Andre enlisted the belay and simul climbing skills of Belgian badass Nico Favres to join him in a single push, sub 24 hour on site attempt of the greatest crack climb on earth. Leading everything, Andre cruised. He on sighted the boulder problem pitch, the 12C roof, the monster off with. He got himself all the way to the famous headwall crux without a fall. However, his dream came up short and he fell twice. By then, there was no gas left in the tank, and in some respects, he came away empty-handed. But he seemed to be just as happy and fulfilled to have gotten the opportunity to climb an amazing route like the Salafe. Who could argue with that? This is Andrew Bisharat, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Kalouse, and we caught up with the Andrasaurus himself to hear more about his magnificent failure on the Salafe. So, um, Adam, uh, where are you now? You're in Bend? We are very close to Smithrock, four miles. I don't know if this uh, kind of in the middle of the nowhere at the property of Mickey Schaeffer. It looks very tempting to go climbing today as the weather is perfect, but I still think I'm a little sore from, from the salad there and it is reasonable to take one more rest day. I think taking three rest days in a row on a trip is something I have never done if it wasn't due to like injury or illness or something like that. <laughs> so you you attempted the Salafe on Saturday, is that right? On Saturday, yeah, exactly. And so your goal was a, an onsite of the, of the route. Uh, why don't you just tell us about how that day went for you? My goal was to onsite in 24 hours. That was the goal. So we set off with Nico Favres at midnight. And so the most of the route, we were climbing in the dark. It went quite all right. There are some pitches which have some 
which have pretty low grade, but they are maybe low percentage. Some of the slabs where there's pretty much no holds, the rock is slick and you can't really control that. So it's all right to climb it without pressure, but with the pressure uh, that you don't want to fall and pitch like four and spoil your onside uh, and especially climbing it in the dark, it was... It was pretty unnerving, but it quite, went quite all right. Higher up, you're getting to some wider climbing, some cracks, some offwits, some chimneys. Most of it went quite all right, but of course, it's it's taxing for the body. So at 7 o'clock a.m., we were up on the ball problem, which is the crux for the free rider. Um it was quite lots of climbing, but I felt all right. Seven o'clock, that was just the sunrise, so I really wanted that I would have some light for the bowl problem. Uh, I did the bowl problem. I must say it was quite a big fight because it was quite hard to get the the sequence. I got stuck. I hesitated, and and also the conditions were quite humid. I think throughout the night the conditions were quite good, but just as the sunrise were approaching, they kind of got worse. So I had two plans in my mind. I would either continue until like 10, 10.30, all the way to the top to climb all the time in the shade, or as uh, the sun hits the wall at 10.30, I would wait for the afternoon for the breeze to come to get better conditions in the afternoon. And at that moment, after finishing the ball problem, I felt like the conditions were so bad that it will be better to wait for the afternoon breeze, even though it will be in the sun and it might be warmer. So we did one more pitch and uh took a little nap on uh, the block latch and i must say i was also pretty tired and I, as i was thinking about it more and more it was pretty obvious that a couple of hours of rest is is going to help me a lot so then there was the headwall pitches above you there's one more pitch so i think we started climbing at 1:30 something like that uh, it was definitely very hot, uh, but there was a little breeze as we started climbing. Uh, so there is one more pitch and there is the Enduro Corner. Amazing 12D layback. I enjoyed it so much. I was looking forward to that. Uh, and then there is the roof, which is, I think, 12C. That is kind of like one of the only more kind of like sport climbing pitches, uh, even though grade-wise it maybe belongs to the harder pitches on the Salafe, um, that one maybe felt like the easiest pitch on the whole wall for me because it's just much closer to what I'm normally doing. And right after that pitch, you make the anchor at the very lip of this roof and then there's the head wall. And I must say it definitely looks very intimidating. You look up and the next pitch is like 45 meters, this perfect splitter that just keeps and keeps and keeps going. And actually, when you start climbing, it, it's even longer than it looks from the anchor. I was psyched. I uh, must say that I did not feel that nervous. I was just really happy that I have a chance to, to climb on the headwall. And I was quite surprised by that, that I 
really started climbing right the first bowl problem is is very sketchy and it's very hard to find the right sequence and i was almost falling off but i managed to pull it together climb through the first cracks and just continue in this perfect crack and actually up to the middle i was feeling really well despite the conditions being not that great it was quite hot i continued but I was getting a little more tired and my hands were not really sticking into the crack perfectly and at at certain point I, I just was feeling less and less comfortable and eventually I fell. It was a nice maybe 20 meter fall uh, but I didn't really enjoy it so much because of course the frustration of just failed on-site attempt was, was big. I was also frustrated because I thought maybe the last 5-10 meters were not that difficult. Later on I found out that they are actually the crux. So at that moment I was very, very frustrated because just a while before I was just feeling so good. So I went up to the top of the anchor found out that actually on the very, very anchor there is another crux. Uh, so I worked it out a little bit, went down, rested for maybe 20-30 minutes and gave it another try. Another try went quite good, but I fell right at the very, very anchor. Uh, and that's it. It was pretty obvious that I didn't have any more power for my third try. So I just tried the second pitch of the do- of the head wall, uh, fell from the very last move. And then as we had the ropes on, and I knew that there is no way to to red point it that day as I had not completed the head wall pitch number one uh, we just chugged up to the top of the cliff there are still like three more pitches to to be completed but they are relatively easier and as well it was already dark we just wanted to clean all the wall from the fixed ropes from the camera team so so we just decided to go for this approach. So we went, we arrived to the top at 9 p.m. and we arrived back to the car 11:30. So it was big 24-hour day. And that's why you're resting three days, I, I guess. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's three days. No matter how big goal Salate was, I am disappointed. That's for sure. Uh, but still was just an amazing experience to be up there and to finally climb on the head wall. And it was such a great day up there with Nico. And we got to climb so well, so much, that it still keeps my my mouth smiling somehow, despite the disappointment, for sure. So, Adam, I've, I've talked to Andrew and read articles to say that you have a pretty strict kind of rules about what an on-site means to you. Um, I'm kind of curious just because there's so much media and information surrounding the Salathe videos and information, just, just whether you have your eyes and ears open or not. How did you make sure that you were fitting into what you think of an on-site when you approach the Salathe? So, like, I think the ethical... Uh, rules in terms of on-site are even more complicated when it comes to trad compared to Mm -hmm. sport climbing. So in sport climbing, I would say it's very, very clear. You can leave your quick draws or not. That's just making harder or easier on-site. But you can see a few 
pictures, but you definitely can't see any video. You can't make a rappel along the route and stuff like that. So in the salad there, it was really hard not to see any of the videos. So of <laughs> course it was, uh, I actually didn't have any possibility to watch Alex Honnold movie, uh, the free solo where it features the free rider, which shares most of the pitches. If I had the possibility, it would be, it would be hard not to see it for sure. There are some more other videos, but you always see it on the internet. Well, it says Salate, so I will, I'm not going to watch it. That's pretty simple. Uh, the only information, and that could be seen as maybe questionable, but if if I onsite it, I would be pretty clear about it. Is that uh, Nico was suggesting me which kind of gear I should bring for each pitch? Uh, mm-hmm. You, it's mostly part of the guidebook as well. Uh, but that's that's the style that I decided to to go for. So you've surprised a lot of people by walking into Yosemite uh, relatively inexperienced on that specific type of climbing right there in Yosemite and uh, and doing some pretty hard stuff. I think the media here in the United States anyway see you as a sport climber and a boulder and then you've surprised people with these really deep trad backgrounds. So what's in your background from from your climbing that you think have allowed you to cruise the, let's say, the, the monster off with, for, for example, which are notorious for eating Europeans alive? So I think it was just in general, it was great that since I started climbing with my parents, we were just traveling all around the Europe to climb in different kinds of cliffs. Of course, it was mostly sport climbing, mostly like steep limestone cliff. But even that, the variety uh, of the climbing areas taught me how to, I think, climb well. But then there is also... uh, many climbing areas on sandstone in Czech, which are partly bolted, partly traditional, but you can't use any gear, uh, like metal gear. You can only use nuts and slings. And I don't say that I climb there a lot. We would maybe go there for two weekends in a year, but it definitely helped me at least to to deal with the runouts, I would say. I would maybe mostly be climbing uh, the harder routes, which are mostly bolted, but are really, really run out. And these routes like features everything. It's mostly not steep at all. And the climbing is very technical, mostly on like the arets, laybacks, sometimes even some cracks. Uh, I would be usually avoiding the, the cracks on the Czech sandstone because those are the most dangerous because they are not very protectable unless you're using cams and that's not uh, that's not allowed but mm-hmm. i think it was mostly like the mental part that i learned a lot on the czech sandstone uh, just starting climbing something that looks very almost impossible that seems like has no holds but and still going for it and that's for example like climbing the arets on the czech sandstone that's something that gives me a lot and and i think it's all i was almost always interested in climbing whatever i saw so i don't think i had lots of experience in off with before i climbed maybe two off widths in in my life on the Czech sandstone then generator crack last year twilight uh two years ago in yosemite and and then the monster but 
Honestly, I, I felt like pretty confident that I got the right technique after climbing these four offwits in my life, and that every offwit is then more or less the same, and <laughs> and it got through pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in the end, like the the most complex climbing is face climbing because it 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 varies a lot. For sure, if you are climbing a crack for the first time in your life, it, it seems impossible, but it's relatively easy and quick to learn. Yuji Hirayama put in many years trying to onsite of, of Rudon El Cap, and uh, he had written some interesting things and observations about this, and including that he felt that the only person who really stood a chance at achieving an, a true onsite of El Cap would be a competition climber because they have that background as in onsite technique. Um, do you think that that was, uh, I, I, clearly you, you're, you know, you've established yourself as maybe the best onsite sport climber. I think that's indisputable at this point. Yeah, uh, I think it's true. I think in, in order to, to onsite 8A plus 13C crack, after having climbed like 28 pitches, you need to have a lot of margin. So that means that you're on-siding at least 8C, 8C plus, in my point of view. Uh, and for sure, then the climbing, uh, the thread climbing background means that you're going to get up to the top of the head wall or at the base of the head wall, just much fresher, which would definitely help a lot if, if I was used to thread climbing much more and uh, climbing on these kind of chimneys and offwits and stuff like this, I would definitely get tired much less. That's for sure. But at the same time, you need to be in like a great fitness shape, uh, even for hard sport climbing, because the headwall pitch is, is, is hard. It's bumpy. It's long. It's exhausting. And for that, I think the best training is, is actually sport climbing. In the past, you've had a goal of either flashing a you know a nine A plus or onsighting a, a route of that difficulty, and you've traveled you know to different crags around the world and actually walked away because you just you didn't feel that you know the the day was the right day. What kind of mentality do you need to be in in order to to commit to to going for the onsite? Because you only really get one shot, of course. It's kind of easy to go for it, or it was kind of easy to go for it for me because for sure I had a lot of pressure, but at the same time, I was just incredibly psyched to go and try and and see the head wall, try the moves, try the holds, and just to keep moving. That is kind of rare to have on like a hard sport climbing route because it's just that one pitch on the salafe you have 32 pitches or something like that and you are just incredibly excited that you will just get to climb a lot especially on a wall like el cap and on a line like salate that that looks just so good and and overall the route was even better than i expected so so i think this psych just makes it really really easy uh i think maybe it was actually the bad thing because it was quite obvious that the conditions might not be the best yet at the same time i was just too impatient to to wait for another day that's it nico your partner for this is famously stoked 
all the time, at least to, <laughs> when you see him in videos and everything else. How important was having him along uh, to keeping you going up that thing? Uh, it was really important to have somebody that is a really, really good climber that we could simul climb some of the pitches and that would allow us to go faster and that would allow us to be on the ball problem at 7 a.m. with the sunrise and we just perfectly stuck to our plan. So we just kept moving really fast and and that was really important. And of course, he's a great guy and he kept the spirits very high at every anchor. Uh, he was filming with, with the GoPro and I think some of the scenes are, are very funny and nice. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, when you were doing the Boulder problem, where, was uh, Alex Honnold's free solo of that section in the back of your mind or is that something you were kind of half thinking about oh before and after yes uh before the climbing i mean boulder problem when you're at the anchor it doesn't look too bad then you start climbing and uh, the feet are really slippery and smarry and and after i finished and i must say it was a quite a good fight um after i reached the next anchor i was thinking about Alex and how terrible it must have be felt to to be up there on the rope in these super insecure moves. That's right. But I didn't think about it while climbing itself, that's for sure. Was the Salathe as an onsite the, the, the one goal for El Cap or do you envision yourself continuing to try to onsite more routes on El Cap in the future? For sure. Uh I think there was no like proper on-site on the El Cap and it's still a big motivation for me and I still believe there are some routes that might be possible to to be on-sited. To me it seems as though um, you know having been up on both of those things that that Golden Gate almost has some aspects to it that might fit into your style to to be a very possible on-site for you. Yeah, the problem with the Golden Gate is that it climbs most of the freerider and then I just don't consider it as a proper onsite. So I would need to find a route that doesn't sh- that doesn't share anything with with the Salate, which would excludes already uh, El Corazon, which doesn't exclude Primuir, which doesn't exclude El Nino. So these would be the two candidates. All right. <laughs> That's pretty strict. I like it. Uh, what else did you do in Yosemite? Did you just show up and, and uh, just get right on the Salathe? Or did what else did you do when you were there? So the first day we got off the plane, drove to the Yosemite. We didn't have our gear. So the first thing I would do was finally climb Midnight Lightning which I haven't done on my last trip, despite being there one and a half months. So it was really nice to flash it. Uh, And then we just totally randomly bumped into our Swedish friends that were on the way to Book of Hate. And that was great because I didn't have any gear except for my harness and my climbing shoes. So I could go with them and I could go do Book of Hate on my second go uh, the first day. Amazing route. <laughs> One of the best pitches I've ever done. Uh, and second day, I was bouldering in Camp 4, so I did some of the harder bold problems, like Dominated, uh, Force, Thriller, King Cobra, stuff like that. And then we moved in the evening for the Cosmic Debris, 
uh, 13B that I was that I onsited and I did it two times just like a preparation of the finger cracking for the salata and then I took a two days off and went for the salata that's it and now that you're in Smith what's uh, what's on the agenda for this trip I mean I chose to uh, on this trip to go to three areas that were kind of my childhood dreams to to visit in the US and that's Yosemite, Smith and Indian Creek. And Smith for me has two super famous routes that I was always dreaming of trying and that's to bold or not to be and just do it. And let's see if there is something else or possibly some project. I'm I'm open up to everything. How much time do you have? Uh, probably four climbing days. So two days climbing, one day rest, two days climbing. And Indian Creek, what, uh, are you, are you going for an onsite of, um, super crack? Oh, for sure. That, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't really know that many routes there. I was very always impressed by the be- belly of, a. Full of berries or something like that. This weird kind of upside down off with. Um, so I would be really excited to try that. And I'm waiting to get some more tips from from the locals. Uh, but I just feel that I just want to go there and try to climb some of the classics and 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 enjoy. And just to test myself how I can do in this uh, very specific climbing style. That's it. So on your rest day today, are you going to watch all the old Salafé videos and maybe catch a view in a free solo, which you haven't been able to watch till now? It uh, would be definitely nice to watch the free solo, but we don't have it here. And I don't know where the nearest and closest show is, but we might be probably watching some of my footage on the Salafé. And I'm definitely excited to see some of my haul because they're quite long. the good thing about the headwall that it's very steep and you can really run it out quite far and still fall uh, relatively safely so that's what i was going for and it made the whole climbing even more exciting that's for sure adam uh is there anything else you want to mention i know you're there's a film with you in the in the new real rock tour that's out this month um I don't know. Do you want to share with our audience what your any future plans or, or media or anything like that? Future plans. Um, I mean, this is like one of my last like proper rock climbing trip because before I turn my attention to indoor training and preparation for the Olympics. So I also wanted to climb like in variety of climbing areas to really enjoy because I know that since uh, from winter on it's going to be mostly climbing in the gym, bouldering lead and also speed climbing which I'm right now I'm really hungry to to train in the gym and prepare myself for the competitions and the whole thing with the Olympics and everybody training hard for it it's it's exciting and i'm excited too so that's going to be a full year of training for you for the olympics so the next season i will be preparing myself by training and doing all of the world cups in lead and bouldering so that's going to be lots of competitions and 
hopefully also gaining some experience. And in the meantime, I need to get better in, in speed as well. So, and actually the next year there's a world championships, which will take place in Tokyo. That will be kind of like a nomination for the Olympics. So it's really important to get prepared for that and nominate myself for the Olympics. And another thing that we would like to mention that uh, we are and we will be posting videos, short videos from, from this trip, maybe starting from tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. And then every second or third day, there will be a new video. So the reader... And is that going to be on Instagram or where can people see that? On, on the YouTube channel. Well, thanks, Adam. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to to reach out and, and tell us about your, your amazing effort. And uh, super impressed to uh, to hear it, even though you didn't achieve your goal. I think that um, just, you know, having that fearlessness to go for it and, you know, even if failure is part of that, that's still inspiring to see. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Adam. And uh, maybe I'll see you down in Indian Creek. Awesome. <laughs> Can't wait for that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Adam. If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast. Or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com. <laughs>